Welcome to the MARC podcast series, a joint production of the Health Federation of Philadelphia and, and Prevention Institute. MARC stands for Mobilizing Action for Resilient Communities. Across the United States, communities are coming together to understand the impact of traumatic events in childhood can have in adulthood and to create environments where children are free from harm. During this podcast series, we'll talk with leaders from cross-sector networks and communities that are moving this approach forward on a broad scale. I'm your host, Ruben Cantu, of the National Nonprofit Prevention Institute. And my plan for this podcast series is to inspire and support community collaborative resilience efforts by problem solving with our guests about the topics that challenge them and their networks every day. And I'm Katherine Evans, the president of Rooted Strategy. My plan for these podcasts is to raise the issue of power dynamics. It's so important that we consider power when cross-sector networks are bringing together community residents with people who work in various fields like education, healthcare, and community. Today, we're joined by Yusuf Ali, Sujin Conover, and Suzette Dunn, who are all members of the Vital Village Network in Boston. They're with us today to talk about their experiences and how networks can use data to affect change. Welcome to all of you. Youssef is a senior network coordinator. He grew up and has worked professionally in the communities of Dorchester, Roxbury, and Mattapan over the last eight years. Youssef is passionate about holistic, healthy lifestyles and has focused his work toward empowering and providing families and individuals with resources in the areas of access to wealth, food access, and civic engagement. Sujin is a senior research analyst and is passionate about promoting data capacity building and advancing health equity through various types of data work and public health research. And Suzette is a Vital Village Network member and is a community builder working from an asset-based community development perspective. She has 20 years of experience in planning grassroots community health and engagement initiatives from creating urban gardens to organizing large community events in the Boston area. So you all are deeply involved in Vital Village, a network of residents and cross-sector organizations in Boston. Suzette, I'd love to hear about your organizing model and what's powerful about it. What kinds of positive community change has Vital Village made using this model? Sure, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to be able to sort of promote Vital Village uh, Network, which is really has a um, collective movement, um, collect the impact model, where they invite everyone uh, from different sectors, institutions, from residents, nonprofits, private sector, and, and even the city departments, to all come together collectively just to really identify the strength, right? Celebrate what's really going on in our city, all the great things, because there's always great things happening, but also identifying issues that we all have concerns about and really looking at it from different lenses and coming together and creating shared agreements and shared values. It's a very shared share value approach. And so I have been part of the uh, you know, network for I think over, over eight years and I'm not planning to leave anytime soon because your lenses continue to be challenged. Again, I come from um, organizing background, I have a nonprofit degree, but then when I work with other folks that work from you know, the private sector or even public health sector, they just constantly challenging me the way I look and engage with the work. And that's what exactly what I want. 
And what are some of the kinds of positive community change that you've seen Vital Village have using the model that they use? One of the great examples, and we could talk about this, is the Abundant Boston app. And so it really came about us having conversation about what, you know, what is currently impacting our families and communities. Um, when I brought up the issue of food insecurity, I think a lot of us came together to sort of explore what is the issue. And the more we explore the issue, we, the more we ask questions, we understood that it's massive, right? The food system is very complex. At the beginning, I, you know, I felt a little bit depressed, to be honest with you, because I really understood the, that there was a root cause. There's a root cause, there's a root issue why you know, families have to you know, take a bus uh, more than 40 minutes just to get to the grocery store, uh, just to buy food for, for a week, right? Uh, there's an issue with that. And we all came together and we decided, you know, why don't we put this app together? You know, I, I had the idea, a lot of the residents, a lot of the partners said, why not? Because we don't have access to this information. So one of the things we find out, again, through speaking, through conversation, through connecting with people, that people weren't aware about the resources in Boston. Boston is full of resources, amazing resources. But again, uh, so many families were falling through the cracks. So again, we, we launched this initiative to, to sort of solve part of the issue, obviously, right? in order to increase access, understanding, and resources to not just providers, but also to, to residents and make it more available and accessible. And we continue to work on the app from that. We continue to work with residents, forming committees, and they try to increase different uh, food access initiatives, um, like bringing the, uh, the mobile food markets and making sure that they also take SNAP uh, for people who are on welfare. Again, try to really increase access to healthy and affordable foods in the community. So we continue to evolve. I think we started with the app, but we continue to evolve in other initiatives. Um, and again, we're doing this as, as a group, as the collective movement. Sujin, let's talk about how networks like Vital Village use data. What's the role that data can have in helping networks make change? And can you give some examples of how you've used this data to guide community actions? Yeah, Vital Village has uh, developed a data dashboard and, and a lot of tools to share ownership of data and benchmarks for child well-being measurements in our community. So sharing data allows us to create a learning environment and our community members and partners are able to know better what is going on in Boston, um, identify inequity issues to address and design solutions for those issues. Uh, Vital Village works closely with um, our network members because community members are the experts in finding solutions for all the ch challenges our city and neighborhoods are facing. So a lot of community actions we support are led by the community. So for example, like Suzette shared in our data dashboard, we have a data story addressing inequitable access to healthy food. And she actually initiated that story coming from the community and we co-created a data story that showed there was a disparity in food access among different neighborhoods in Boston. And a lot of times uh, we try to disaggregate data by geography, for example, by neighborhood level or census tract level, because in that way we can see if there is geographical inequity in data. And if there is, it allows us to identify areas that would need our attention or intervention. So 
Suzev and other network members, as well as organizational partners, formed a data work group. And after a lot of meetings and discussions based on the food access data, they decided that um, data tool sharing, food resources, and uh, resource locations would be helpful to promote access to healthy food. So Vital Village created a map on the dashboard sharing food resources in Boston. And a lot of data came from our partners, including Greater Boston Food Bank and the City of Boston. And later on, the data work group wanted to improve this tool and decided to develop a mobile app, Abundance, as Suzette talked about, so that it could be accessible to more community members. And the app, which is called Abundance, is available for free in Apple Store and a Google Play Store. It has uh, a number of different categories, such as supermarkets, food pantries and meal sites, farmer's markets, senior meal sites, and WIC-approved stores. And we also recently um, added a SNAP application supporting organizations to the app, and it was based on the community partner suggestion. So the app allows users to find affordable and high-quality food resources nearby, and users can leave a review on a site they visit, like Yelp. And we have been getting positive feedback from community partners and residents about this app. So this kind of shows uh, data can be used for community engagement and promoting health equity in our community. And I also want to highlight that community members have been key designers in the every step of the way. Yusuf, what skills or capacities do networks need to work effectively with data? And how has Vital Village cultivated those skills? As far as the skills go, Vital Village focuses a lot on intangible skills versus just the tangible skills. We do look at the capabilities of what people within the network can do, because as a network, we're only as strong as our network. But a lot of the times, it's things such as transparency, where that's not something that a lot of networks or organizations always go into the work with. So with us, we look at our network and the need to be able to look at the research and look at the data as being important, but also with an equal importance of focusing on getting that information back to the community for it to be useful and for it to really solve problems that community members are, are experiencing. As our network looks at that data, we don't look at it with an ownership level of it being belonging to us. We um, look at it as belonging to the community members and having that joint level of ownership. So really sharing that ownership of the data. Also, I would say as far as the capacity goes, one thing that we bring to the table, uh, Sujin really does a great job leading this, of being able to interpret the data and really look at ways that it can be taken from just more of the statistical side, but actually finding solutions and sharing it in a way that's really easy for community members to understand in multiple forms, whether it's through the data dashboard, maps, the apps such as the Abundance app, which has been mentioned, but always thinking about that community experience, that user experience is a huge thing that we focus on. Sujin, how can data be used to inform network activities or strategies 
especially during a time of crisis such as uh, we're going through right now with COVID and with increased understanding of, of systemic racism? During the COVID pandemic, uh, we try to support our community as much as we can. And one thing I like to highlight is that, as you all know, that systemic racism is not something new. A lot of communities that we closely work with are neighborhoods of community of color, and actually most of Violet Village staff are people of color as well. So addressing systemic racism has always been a part of our work, supporting our community, particularly the ones who are affected the most by the dual pandemics. So when the COVID became a pandemic, we focused on sharing resources and information with our community. And we made a space called a wellness bank where Vital Village staff, community partners, residents gather and share resources re related to food access, virtual um, education opportunities, unemployment, and housing. And then we uh, created a page on our data dashboard with a resource map responding to COVID, particularly the ones requiring in-person visit, such as food pickup sites, COVID testing sites, um, emergency shelters, and diaper pickup sites. And for food resources, there have been a lot of changes during the pandemic and whether a site is open or not and in open hours during the pandemic. So our food access app abundance has been updated on a regular basis to reflect those changes to better support our community. We also have community housing data tool on our data dashboard that uh, we shared data and resources related to housing environments across the city before the pandemic hit. Um, the tool is to promote healthy, safe, and equitable housing, but in response to the pandemic, we adapted and channeled in eviction prevention resources into this tool that we gathered from the city and other community organizations. Another component is that a lot of our network meetings and community gatherings move into virtual space during the pandemic. We share virtual meeting related data back with our network members and partners. For example, um, our breastfeeding coalition meetings, Vital Village supports switched over to virtual setting and we share back the meeting data about how many moms and babies have been supported, what went well during each meeting, what support is needed. So all this data allows the coalition to tell their stories about their work during the pandemic and to think about how the coalition can move forward. Yusuf, is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, one thing, the thing that we were able to really look at is I guess the best word that I can say is to really humanize the data, just understanding that it comes from people. So we really did want to make sure that a space was created for people to be able to still connect and be able to be as transparent as possible with sharing what their needs were, to share different experiences that they had, and really to just not hear that information just to gather it, but really to inform the work that we were doing. So I think for us, we really did use the data that we were gathering from those community cafes through Zoom to really pivot a little bit from what some of our um, grant, the work that we were funded to do, which is important work, but it really just had to understand that 
some of the things that people were sharing that they needed were more immediate and were things that we had to respond to and we had to listen and see the resources that we had and the resources that we didn't have, just find ways to connect people to those resources. Uh, so that was really important for us um, to really look at that side of just whether it was an experience related to COVID or whether it was experiences related to racism that, as Sujin mentioned, is always part of our work, but showed up a little bit different for people during COVID, mainly in a way where it was just more in front of people's face in a way that might not have been useful. That would be one example um, that I would really just add on to what Sujin said. Catherine. I just wanted to type in, I'm really struck by everything that this team is talking about. And it's clear to me that you all have a really good sense of who you're doing this work with and for. Something that Yusef said about being responsive during COVID, primarily to the emerging needs of your community, even though you had grant expectations that you knew needed to be fulfilled, which is an indicator to me that you're accountable to the communities you're serving first and foremost. And I think that that's a really important value for network leaders to hold, especially when working uh, in networks that have and, and communities that have experienced significant trauma and for which there are a number of personal, social, and environmental factors that create trauma. And your ability as an organization to see that you are building power for and with the communities that you're serving is going a long way in helping those communities to be more resilient. So hats off to you, first and foremost. The question that I have was related to something that Sujin mentioned, which is that a majority or large number of people on your team are people of color. And so I'm wondering what difference that makes um, in your minds in terms of how you approach the work and how you understand who you're building power for and with. So equity is a huge thing that we really talk about in our work, but you can't talk about the work and apply it genuinely if you don't see it applied within the organization that you're attached to. I can just speak from personal experience. There's not been experiences where I've had, and I know this is a podcast, so it's not visual, but just as an African-American male, to really be able to be in these type of positions where I have conversations that are really from a leadership perspective and not just from participating or being a part of something. That's really important just organizationally, but I would say um, the reason that it's important is because it does also keep us grounded in understanding the work that is important for us and not really losing that connection from the community. I can't separate sometimes work and personal life. Like it's, there's just such a connection, it's so tethered. Just to be the person that I am, I couldn't see myself doing any type of work where there wasn't that level of authenticity there. Um, so that's just me speaking. It really keeps me accountable to um, understanding who we're really serving 
And as you mentioned, definitely understanding what the funders need, but it gives me a little more courage to be able to push back and really just say, well, I understand the work, I understand these requirements, but this is what people are saying that is important. So we have to go with that. And just being able to just understand that that's that level of that foundation of just who I am and Sujin and the rest of our team members all bring that to the work. Sujin, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, like Yusuf said, I totally agree that we practice equity at work. And in that way, I think we don't necessarily have to separate our job, our work from our personal life because we are all like part of our community that we serve. So I think it makes sense that everyone in Vital Village is so passionate and dedicated. And I think personally, it makes me more motivated to be more connected with our community and lift up our community leadership in our work. So um, it's been very positive and very inspiring for me. Suzette, did you have a reaction to Catherine's comment? Yes, for me, I just feel like finally I am invited to the table. For many years, I've worked, you know, in nonprofit and in community engagement capacity, and I was never invited to the table to meet the funders, to walk and to, to learn and to even have conversations with people that consider themselves experts, right? But all alone, I knew that I am also an expert. The residents are experts. And we just never had that sort of platform, that space for us to share information and for just to learn from one another. And to me, that's so key, you know, be able to learn, obviously, from the funders and other experts, but we also have expertise, right? And be able to have conversations. So for me, it's just lifting community voices. That's so special about Vita Village, you know, when our voices have been silenced for so long. So that's all I wanted to add. Thank you for, for adding that. I think one of the things that, that strikes me um, a lot about the work that you all do that makes it so special is one of the things I think a lot of people lose sight of is that when you're looking at data, when you're looking at numbers, there are people behind all of those numbers. Those numbers are not just abstract numbers and figures. It, it, they represent real people and their real life experiences. And a lot of times I feel like we lose sight of that, but the work that you all are doing really kind of brings that home and gets people to realize we're talking about people's lives and people's experiences. I think that's really, unfortunately, I think that's unusual in a lot of places, but I think more people are moving in that direction and it's thanks to some of the work that you all are doing. So Vital Village has quite a bit of experience partnering with community members to collect, analyze, understand, and apply data, as we've heard. And Suzette, I want to direct this question to you. What advice do you have for other networks out there that want to do the same kind of partnering with community that Vital Village does? Well, it's going to sound very simple, but I think we need to walk with humility. <laughs> and know that we don't have all the answers and we don't know it all. And oftentimes when we are given sort of these, these are the best practices, these are the research and findings, um, again, just from one lens, um, I think we miss an opportunity to really learn and to connect with others and really try to understand uh, the problem at a, a much complex level. 
Um, oftentimes, I think people do have the, uh, the desire to help, but they want quick solutions. Unfortunately, this is not the work for that. We are looking for people who want to really commit to this work long term. So if you really want to see solutions and community change, you have to commit long term. Please don't give us cookie cutters, just bandage solutions, you know, great, you know, projects that are, you know, that just five, six weeks and you get a little bit of funding. No, if you really are for the community, if you really want to see a change, commit long term, work with humility be able to learn also our research, our findings. And I think that um, that's my advice because then you become a little bit more compassionate when you're actually able to hear stories, real stories of real people and the real challenges, right? It's never really easy, even my own experience, advising, okay, let's create this app. That would sort of help the issue. And then I, I realized the more I asked questions and the more I listened, it was just like, what am I really looking at? This food system and, and problem is huge, right? And so I don't have all the answers and we need each other. We need all of us to work together. We all have something to offer, but again, be able to value each other's voices. We've heard a lot of really great input and examples from all of you all. Is there anything else you'd like to add about how networks can use data to create meaningful community change? And I'll ask, uh, I'll ask Sujin first. I think meaningful community change actually comes from the community because community members are the experts because they know the community, they know their needs, and they have wisdom. So we try to listen to their voices and work together to co-create solutions that will be the most beneficial to our community. I think bringing community members to the table where that you can co-create, co-design the solutions for the community, I think is the most important piece. Thank you. Like Suzette said, you know, being at the table is such an important part of that. Yusuf, anything else you'd like to add about how networks can use data to create meaningful community change? Being flexible and willing to collaborate with community members and also collaborate with other organizations, that's a huge thing. A lot of times this data is connected to funding and sometimes organizations don't necessarily always have the opportunity to think on a network-wide level just outside of their own work. So I would definitely say for us, it's been really useful to partner with a lot of organizations outside of the community that we're just necessarily working in. It really has allowed us to break down silos and really not duplicate work that's going on, but also be able to just add and bring in partners of, to amplify and to really just elevate the work. Just like Sujin and Suzef mentioned, I think it's really huge just understanding where this wisdom and lived experience is really coming from and always just being inclusive as possible. I couldn't see having any conversation without a partner. And when I say partner, I'm thinking of residents, I'm thinking community members, I'm thinking colleagues, just seeing everybody in that same level of partnership and co-ownership. Co that really allows us to really have that space for that collective learning for us to really just grow in a way that doesn't 
traditionally happened. So just, I would say, just be okay with not being traditional, think outside of the box and it's okay to share and be a part of different networks because the more that you're able to be in those different spaces, it really helps more people than just what you could even have imagined at first. Suzette, any closing thoughts from you? Well, I definitely wanted to add the importance of looking at this work through the asset-based model. Oftentimes, um, when I work with funders and even other community partners, we still tend to look at our communities from that deficit um, sort of base model, which definitely has a negative impact on the uh, level of work and the engagement and the outcomes as well. Um, so understanding that communities, you know, they have a lot of great families, have a lot of great things going on. There's a lot of great things happening in our communities. Every single resident I work with have unique talents. And, you know, it's about us really recognizing that, looking at people's gift. Um, and from that space, from those lenses, really engaging with residents, with the work, and again, walking with humility. <laughs> and understanding that it takes all of us, it's really, again, by the village, the village, right? For us to move forward together and have a greater impact. And that's all I wanted to add. Thank you. Catherine, is there anything else that's coming up for you in regards to what you're listening in on around power and power dynamics? Well, I, I just, again, think that the way that Vital Village approaches this work is very authentic and rooted in love for people and a desire to create change and to, and to help people to realize the assets that lie within each of them and to use those assets to transform their, their communities and improve their life experience. Everything that you all have said is indicative of that being a core value. And so to be able to have this discussion about data and to still be able to see those values emerge indicates to me that you're, you're really focusing on that because data is, is really just a, it's a tool. You know, it's, it's information and it can be powerful. I started my career as an organizer and I learned about power as organized people, organize money, and organize ideas. Data as information that can shape ideas and, you know, leverage movement is powerful, but on its own, it's just data. It's, I think, the way that we approach it and sort of use it as an element in designing the world that we want that makes it really useful. I heard Suzeth and Sujin and Yusuf all use these words like evolving, discovery, co-creation, right? And so seeing this work as not having a, a destination that we're going to reach in a year or five years or whatever the grant funders the term is, but really seeing it as, a, as an ongoing journey and a process. And what's required for longevity and that kind of thing is authentic relationship. And power is the product of relationship. I truly believe that. And so what does, what does relationship require? It requires 
again, all the things that you all have mentioned, courage, humility, compassion, vulnerability, transparency, right? And so I think my message to the folks who are listening and wondering about how they can think differently about the power of data is to really consider data as a design element in creating the world that you and the people that you're working with want, the world that is going to ensure the greatest possible chance for health and well-being and happiness, and um, using data in a way that's, that's going to help us get to that place. I think Vital Village has demonstrated that really well, beautifully, and it's a great thing to learn from. So thank you. Yusuf, Sujin, Suzette, thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks also to our audience for listening. For more tools and inspiration by networks and for networks, visit mark.healthfederation.org. Funding for this podcast comes from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. The views expressed in this episode are our own and not necessarily those of the foundation.